Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Commanding the Huddle. As always, I am your host, Ryan Fowler, and today we are talking Commanders and Ravens, both joint practices up in Owings Mills this week, and then now previewing the Monday night game preseason week two, a national broadcast on ESPN again on Monday night. So we got a few more days of meetings, working the blackboard, this guy's gelling even more off the field as we move into Monday, and just already preseason week two. It's already crazy to think that we've gotten to this point. But I want to talk about the joint practices from this past week with the Baltimore Ravens, a team that, from a preseason perspective, hasn't lost a preseason game in almost a decade. Think about that. The Ravens almost haven't lost a preseason game in almost a decade. It's been unbelievable. They won their first preseason game this year, last week, at home against the Philadelphia Eagles, 20-19. to not going to see, we didn't see Lamar Jackson, didn't see guys like Zay Flowers for them. But this week, I expect to see more of the starters because when the NFL had four preseason games, it was long, the preseason drug on, there was no need for four preseason games. But as you moved into week two and three, those were the dress rehearsals, if you will, for offense, defense, and special teams for the ones to get their reps. And now... For all teams across the NFL, all 32 clubs, the second preseason game is used as that official dress rehearsal. So for Washington's perspective this week, I expect to see Sam Howell, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, not sure how much we'll see of Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, those types of guys, but I expect to see Sam Howell specifically for at least a quarter, a quarter and a half possibly the whole half, depending on the success and the amount of drives that the offense gets and what Ron Rivera, what Eric Bieniemy want to see from their newfound quarterback one. Now, and that's what I want to start today from the comments made by Ron Rivera on who is ultimately going to be QB one for this offense. And basically what Ron said was, look, I'm not coming out right now and saying Sam Howell's our QB one. Ladies and gentlemen, Week one at FedEx Field against the Arizona Cardinals, Sam Howell will be the starting quarterback for this offense. Make no mistakes about it. I know he wants to drag it on. I know Jacoby is sitting there. Look, the guy wants to start, bottom line. You don't want to go into a season, especially as a veteran in this league, and say, yeah, I just want to be a backup. For some people, maybe that might be their career arc. But for Jacoby, who had a bunch of success for a multitude of teams, Patriots, the Dolphins, the Browns, the Colts. He's played in a lot of different spots and he's had success in those spots where in those spot starts that he's had, he's had success. And now coming into Washington to where potentially in his head when he signed in the offseason to come and compete with Sam Howell, he thought that he could potentially be QB1. Sam Howell, again, ladies and gentlemen, will be QB1. Please do not make any mistake about it. It will be Sam Howell against the Arizona Cardinals. So Ron doesn't have to come out and say, you don't have to hear Ron say it. He is going to be QB1. So don't let those comments scare you. There is no QB battle. It's nice to have two quarterbacks to understand how to operate the offense, both 
with within their ears. They both got good arms. Obviously, Sam's got more of a threat with his legs than Jacoby does. It was nice to see Jacoby get in the end zone with his legs and his return to Cleveland last week. That was nice to see. But just make no mistake about it. It is Sam Howell's show. It is going to be his offense. He does have the keys to this entire regime. This is his team. This is his group. 19 points a game last year. It's not going to cut it. Expect Sam Howell, his relationship with the enemy, and the skill players on the outside to where we've seen that chemistry just continue to build and build and build over the spring, now into summer, and moving into, again, their dress rehearsal, basically, before they take the field in week one to kick off the 2023, 2023 season. Excuse me. So, from there, I just want to talk about a couple of things, guys, from the Ravens during practices. And I think first things first is the physicality. And I know that there were some scuffles breaking out. There's some fights. I talked about it a bunch. Good. Physicality. Guys getting after each other. Offense and defense. Guys taking things personally. A DB loses a rep. Don't say you got to fight the guy if you lose a rep. But be physical. Emmanuel Forbes trying to knock the ball out after he loses a rep. The Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State wants to get physical with him. Emmanuel Forbes isn't backing down. He's not going to be soft on the outside. Standing up for himself. And then his teammates come to rally with him. Good. It's good to be physical. It's good to play a team like the Ravens to where the last 10 to 20 years, you think of the Ravens, you think of a defensive-minded team before Lamar Jackson came into town when they were rolling out Kyle Bowler and they were rolling out Joe Flacco. Those days, they were defense-heavy with Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs and Ed Reed. Those were those types of defenses. They were physical. They were in your face. They were aggressive. And they wanted to make you feel them. Now, when you go up to Baltimore into their barn and their practice facility, which is beautiful up in Owings Mills, and Washington, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where they have a lot of young pieces, I know the front four isn't, I can't sit there and say they're incredibly young or juvenile up front. They, they've had some experience now, especially Montez, or excuse me, John Allen and Deron Payne, been in the league a while already. But he moved back into the back end with Forbes and Quan Martin and Cam Curl still young and Derek Forrest, Percy Butler. Those guys are young. They're extremely young. And it's just good work. It's good for everybody to go an iron sharpens iron against an AFC team that is going to compete for an AFC North title every single year that Lamar Jackson is there. I don't care that Joe Burrow's in Cincinnati. I don't care that Sean Watson's in Cleveland. They got a long way to go in Cleveland, by the way. We're not going to get into that, but they got a long way to go to prove to me that the Browns are a team to beat or potentially challenging the Bengals in the AFC North. I got to see some more from Deshaun Watson. But as long as number eight's under center in Baltimore, and as long as they got guys flying around on defense like they usually do, Baltimore's always going to be competitive. And they are going to be one of the top 10 teams overall in football every single year because of the guy that they have under center and the athletes that they have on either side of the ball. So this was good work. I'm happy that Ron Rivera took his team up there to do that. I just love it. It's good work on every single facet of the game. But I want to talk about a couple guys that stood out And that didn't stand out, that, again, kind of raises the caution flag for me a little bit in some instances. And again, I think that starts for me, guys, with Cole Turner. There were a lot of conversations this week as far as him as a wide tight end. I talked about it on last week's episode, prior week's episode. How is he going to be able to move guys in the run game as a wide tight end? Guys, a wide tight end is the tight end aligned next to the left tackle or right tackle on the line of scrimmage, a further extension of the line with their hand usually in the dirt. Someone that 
can relocate the five tech, someone that can make a guy rush twice, stay in and pass pro if you have to, leak out to the flat areas, and work over the middle of the field. Your F tight ends think of flex. You think of F, you think of flex. Flexed out into the slot or flexed out far to the perimeter. Guy that's used in space, more speed, more agility. Guy that is more of a yak type of athlete. Cole Turner right now is a decent F for this offense because he has big hands, got a good catch radius, ability to go over the top. But because he doesn't have that elite athletic profile, he has to be somebody that has to play the Y well. Not asking him to be a dominant Y. Not asking him to be that. But he has to get better as a blocker to at least be average to where he's not a liability when you put him on the football field and you have to run the ball off tackle. Or you have to ask him to ISO block a defensive end. Or ISO or seal an outside backer that is quicker than him and potentially could blow him off his feet if he doesn't approach the block with correct technique and correct leverage. And I've seen that a little bit from Cole, not just in the preseason game, but this week against the Ravens, going back to all the practice clips, and then also what he did in Nevada and, and again in the rookie year. I don't want to be, I don't want to talk about Cole Turner every single episode, but you guys got to understand that the tight end position in Eric Bannemi's offense is so darn important in both as a run blocker and as a pass blocker and as a flex weapon in space. You have to be able to be a Y and an F. You have to. And Logan Thomas, look, we haven't seen the guy in over a week. Wasn't it, and didn't play against Cleveland. Wasn't out of practice in Baltimore. This is a commonality with Logan Thomas. A lot of it on the shelf. Big body, he's tight end one for this offense, but who else is going to step up? Because right now, Cole Turner's tight end one. For the last couple weeks in Cleveland and these practices in Baltimore, Cole Turner's tight end one. For me, he cannot be tight end one if you're a below average drastically wide tight end and an average F tight end. So don't be shocked. We move into these next few weeks and Washington makes an addition in the tight end's room. I know that they signed Caden Smith last week after releasing the punter, but you know he spent multiple years with the Giants, failed a physical, was hung on with the Colts last year, was released earlier this month. He's just someone to fill a roster spot. And with no Armani Rodgers and expecting zero from Curtis Hodges, John Bates is your why, there's an issue there. There has to be someone that can be at least average in both facets. Do I think Logan Thomas could be that? I do, because he's a much better F than what Cole Turner is right now. And I don't want to be overzealous and expecting so much from Cole Turner because this is year two, but it is year two. And we don't have the grace period. That grace period just doesn't exist anymore with first, second year, third year guys in the NFL anymore. It's not guys coming in and just going to sit on the depth chart for a couple years and get your feet wet and get your mind up to speed, get your body up to speed, get stronger, get bigger, get faster. That's not the NFL anymore. You got to come in and produce right away. And for Cole Turner, look, he may be in my doghouse right now. I want him to be a guy that forces me to put my foot in my mouth as we move forward into the meat in the back end of the season to hopefully when Washington is pushing for a playoffs. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So from there, I want to hop over to the other side of the ball. And 
It just gets so funny on social media seeing a lot of clips and guys ooh and eyeing over certain things. And if if you guys follow me on, on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler, you see a lot of my clips that I post. I'll post some one-on-ones. I'll post all 22s. I'll post all types of stuff on there, specifically some of the rookies like to focus on. Of course, um, you know, Redskins guys, or excuse me, Commanders guys. Um, but the video this week of Zay Flowers and the route he ran against Benjamin Seychus and everybody oohing and aahing and, so, and saying, oh, Benjamin St. Juice is this. He can't cover. Zay Flowers is so special. Let me just set this straight first. Zay Flowers is a heck of an athlete. He will be a heck of a receiver in this league and for this offense for the Ravens with Todd Munkin coming in from Georgia and how he uses utilizes his wide receivers both in the slot, on the perimeter, and even Zay could offer some pop as a special teams guy. But what I want you guys to understand is the route that Zay Flowers ran against Benjamin St. Juice is the old juke route where comes the inside, fakes, to the, fakes back to the inside, and cuts to the outside. There is not a single corner, linebacker, safety in this league. Really, you could say ever, maybe a couple guys here and there, that can cover a juke route and stop it consistently. It is made for the... It makes life hell is what it does. For corners. It's used in the shallow areas of an offense, specifically in the red zone, for quick change of direction receivers. Zay Flowers is a quick change of direction type of receiver. Benjamin St. Juice, specifically, if he's on the outside in a game against Zay Flowers, what is he going to do? Do you think he's going to play 10 yards off the ball? No. He's going to play in his face and inside the contact window and force him to get off the line of scrimmage with a much bigger body, much just greater length, ability to get into his chest plate, and force him to get off the line of scrimmage. But in that one-on-one clip where everyone is just going so crazy over Zay and embarrassing Benjamin, I just want you guys to take the players back and understand the context of the route. A juke route is about as hard a route as it is to cover in football. And there's not a single guy in this league that'll be able to stop that consistently. So I get it, Benjamin St. Juice moved out of the frame. It looked like Zay absolutely dominated the rep, and he did. But a juke route is so darn hard to cover if you're a corner, if you don't know it's coming, which of course you didn't in that situation. And it makes corners look stupid a lot of the time when you're facing guys like Zay Flowers, especially in that instance, when he's in a reduced alignment in the slot with more open space to his left and to his right, working over the middle of the field, has more room to the sideline. And Benjamin St. Juice, whether he is on the outside or whether he is at nickel, I like him preferably on the outside because of his length. But it's just not easy to cover. It's not easy to cover. So please understand that. Everyone's going crazy over Zay Flowers' juke route rep against Benjamin St. Just. If you pull out Dax Milne against Marlon Humphrey this week, and he ran a juke route, I 9 out of 10 times Dax Milne is going to get a reception on that play. If Marlon Humphrey didn't know that the route was coming. I promise you. I promise you guys. So please understand that. When everyone's going crazy, really just in this, this atmosphere that we're in right now with preseason where everyone gets crazy with their predictions and are playing hypotheticals. Oh, this rookie looks good. And this second year guy is going to break out. Pull the contact. Get some context a little bit with this. And I hopefully I can provide you guys some just specifically with that moment this week in practice with one-on-ones with St. Juice and Zay Flowers. Next, I want to stay on the defensive side of the ball. And I just can't talk highly enough about Danny Johnson, specifically because he is someone that just every single darn year 
He comes in with a lunch pail attitude, former UDFA, out of Southern University, and just shows up every day. Playing nickel, playing on the outside if he has to like he did last year, playing special teams, consistently making plays on the football. This week, he pissed off Mark Andrews and he slams him into the ground. He just has an attitude and a temperament on the outside and a technical ability to where he's not going to be a top three corner on any roster in this league. But you need someone to come off the bench as a depth piece rotationally and provide some pop for you. And Danny Johnson is that guy. And for me, he is absolutely that corner four on this roster. You look at Tariq Castro-Fields and Rashad Wild Goose and guys like Terrell Burgess. And of course, we've seen a heck of a preseason week one from Christian Holmes moving into year two. But Danny Johnson was here in the Jay Gruden regime. Now he's been hanging on for at least now moving into year four of the Ron Rivera regime. And he just every single darn day he shows up to work and he competes and not just competes, but produces. So I just wanted to take a sec to, to praise Danny Johnson because it's not easy to play corner in this league. And it's not easy to play corner coming in from an HBCU like Southern University, small school program in the NFL, as a UDFA, and staying around for almost a decade at this point. Not easy, to, not easy to do so. And to outlast prior regimes into the current regime. And to be on a defense to where I know the secondary hasn't had crazy pop at corner the last few years, but after dra- drafting Emmanuel Forbes in the first round and drafting Quan Martin in the second round, he's still here and he's still making great plays every single day at practice, in preseason, and someone that I fully believe and fully deserves to make this roster moving in to 2023. And then finally, guys, I want to hop up to the big boys up front on defense, and I want to talk a little bit more about Andre Jones, the seventh-round rookie out of Louisiana Lafayette, who's gotten some work with the ones this week. And again, if you guys don't follow me already on Twitter, it's underscore Ryan Fowler. I posted a tweet this week of some practice clips of Andre winning one-on-one reps. Now, it wasn't against the Ravens, but it was against... Commander's tackles, and the guy has just improved every day since he's come in. Again, seventh round rookie, not many expectations come in. Usually take guys in the seventh round that have some pop, that have some production in college, that if it fits your skill set, it fits your height, weight, speed thresholds, you bring them in. And we've seen over the last few years with the guys like Shaka Tony and William Bradley King, we've seen James Smith Williams over these last few years really build into a depth role. Every single year, seemingly, Washington takes an edge rusher in the seventh round. Why? Because you can never have enough guys to understand how to get after the quarterback. And with Chase really sidelined for most of these Ravens uh, practices, Montez got some work. We saw a lot of Casey Tuhill and JSW, but F.A. Obata as well. Don't want to forget him. K.J. Henry and Andre Jones, they're all fighting for spots. And if now he's getting work with the ones and we're not even into week two of the preseason, this is somebody that is going to make this roster. And I said it back in April and I said it last week after the Cleveland Cleveland preseason game in week one, he's going to make this roster. He is flat out going to make this roster if, you know, barring zero injuries, knock on wood, but just someone from the boot down in Louisiana to where he's gotten out of the mud, if you will, and just improved in every single facet of his game, I've talked to Andre multiple times during this preseason process as far as working with his hands, his strength that he's gained in the weight room, just his ability to understand how guys are setting, are they going to overset him, how he can win to the inside, how he wins his leverage points, his ability to 
win in the run game as well. So if he's he's working up towards the pocket and he understands, hey, maybe it's a delayed RPO look. Quarterback wants to escape out the backside. Now I got to escape and clip and, and attack in the flat areas of the defense. I'm not pursuing so much far too far upfield to where I lose contain. And now the guys at the backside. There's so many things that he's improved upon these first few months as a commander in the, in the burgundy and gold to where he's a rookie and getting his feet wet in week one of the preseason and now potentially getting work with the ones, not going to throw him into the fire and ask him to play 80% of the defensive snaps. Chase Young and Montez Sweat are going to be the starters and guys like Casey Tuhill and James Smith-Williams, F.A. Obata, that's three guys already depth that I expect to be here. But guys like this, I talked about KJ Henry and I liked him a lot. But Andre Jones is showing up, and he's producing, and he's getting better and better and better. So a tip of the cap to Andre Jones. But guys, I wanted to talk a little bit about this week. I wanted to talk about Monday Night Football, if you will. Preseason Week 2 against Baltimore, home at FedEx Field. The first game, if you will, in the Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, Magic Johnson-owned Washington Commanders um, organization, right? So we are... Into week two. And I mentioned at the top to where, look, with this, we're going to see the starters a bunch in that first half. I really want to see this front five be better. They were good from the conversations I had this week up in Baltimore. Um, but a couple guys I want to see more of. I want to see more Cody Barton. I want to see more KJ Henry. I want to see more Chris Rodriguez. And I really, again, guys, every damn day, every damn episode, I talk about the tight ends. I got to see more from the tight ends. And really... Quan Martin um, had a rough outing in week one against the Cleveland Browns. Not raising the pitchforks, not going scorched earth, not going to raise my hands up in the air and go, what do we do with Quan Martin? The guy can play, guys. He can flat out play. It's just giving him more time. It's hard to play defense in this league. It's hard to play the nickel spot. It's extremely hard to play the nickel spot. I dove into that in last week's episode, if you guys missed that, where I went into Quan, things I want to see him improve upon from his preseason week one debut. But... Those are just a few guys that I'm looking forward to seeing. And and even a guy on the defensive side of the ball that I want to see more of is Jamin Davis. And for me, I'm playing the kid. I'm playing in first quarter, second quarter, potentially into the second half, because I know he's going to be that second linebacker on the field with Cody Barton if they want to run that 4-2-5 that we saw a lot from Jack Del Rio last year, where there's two linebackers on the field. Sometimes it's just going to be one linebacker on the field because Really, they bring an extra safety on the field. He'll play low. He'll play weak side. He'll roam He'll roam that, that second level of the defense, guarding the edges in the run, and of course, picking up any receivers or tight ends or backs that he has to, and man, if they have to. Um, but Jamin Davis, I, I just, not sold on Jamin Davis just yet. And I know it's moving into year three, but from what I saw in week one of the preseason, just he looked just looks shaky at the position and not decisive and not understanding what he's looking at. And all the athletic intangibles are there, but not all athletes, guys, are good football players. I want you guys to understand that. Not all athletes are good football players. So for him putting it all together, both between the years and then allowing him to just play fast, allowing his eyes to process quickly will allow Jamin Davis to become the player we thought he could be, of course, when Washington took him in the first round uh, back in 2021. So um, and lastly, guys, on offense, um, I talked about Sam. Of course, want to see him. Um, Mitchell Tinsley and Kaz Allen have been two pieces on this offense since the spring, since they came in for rookie minicamp that have really drawn eyes and drawn attention. And Mitchell had one catch against the Browns, a nice catch over the middle of the field, 26-yard reception. 
Kaz Allen had a nice punt return that was got that that got taken back on a penalty. Wasn't involved in the offense really at all. Um, as we move into both the second half of this week and moving into week three when they host the Cincinnati Bengals, I want to see a lot of these guys because I do think that they could both potentially make the roster. Do both make it? I don't know. I think one of them absolutely ends up on the practice squad. But I talked about it again last week's episode. The depth chart behind Terry, Jahan, and Curtis is up in the air for me. Um, I know Deami Brown is that bigger wide receiver, if you will. He's, at, he's just at six foot. The biggest guy in the roster is Marcus Kemp at 6'4", but I don't know if he makes the roster. Had a lot of drops in practices this week against Baltimore. Hasn't been impressive in training camp. Um, so I don't know if he makes the roster. Byron Pringle, special teams pop. Been with Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City for a multitude of years. He may have a clear route um, out of these back-end guys to make the roster because he does provide some of that versatility that Curtis Samuel does. Um, but yeah, Mitchell Tinsley and Kaz Allen absolutely should have their names bolded this week as two guys to watch uh, again Monday night when Washington hosts the Baltimore Ravens in week two of the preseason. So that is going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. I will have an episode out for you on Tuesday morning, recapping all things commanders and Ravens. Guys, we are just a couple weeks away from week one. It is Today is August 17th. We get strapped up and ready to go September 10th. So less than a month away, right? We have three weeks until football, which is just so darn exciting. I know you guys are pumped to see the Burgundy and Gold, what they're going to be this fall. And we'll get a good test and a good little insight to what Washington will be when we see them this week. And the starters, potentially on both sides of the ball, are going to be out there for at least the first half. So again, as always, appreciate your likes, your reviews, your shares, your subscribes. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. Again, on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. If you do not follow me there already, always appreciate you guys reaching out on social media. I know you guys are pumped up, getting closer and closer and closer to football. It's been a really long offseason. It always seems like it when you don't make the playoffs. And unfortunately, we've had to deal with that for a long time here in Washington. But I think the tides are turning. Year four of Ron Rivera. It's a huge year for him if he wants to be here moving into 2024. So we're just a couple weeks away, guys. Really excited. So as always, appreciate you guys. I will talk to you again on Tuesday, having a recap out for you guys of standouts, guys I wanted to see more of, positional battles, again, who stood out, and just who needs to show up moving into these last few practices of training camp and, of course, the final week of the preseason next week when Washington hosts the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's going to do it for today, guys. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this... Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.